You're listening to audio from New King Church. If you'd like to get our weekly sermons, hit subscribe. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit newkingchurch.com. At the end of April, uh, my family and I flew back from Arizona through Chicago. We had spent the first 70 days of uh, the pandemic uh, in Arizona, and we were flying back home through Chicago. And when we boarded the plane, it was pretty empty. Um, But when I got to where I was going to sit, there happened to be somebody sitting in the seat that I was assigned. And uh, we, of course, were kind of puzzled because the plane was half empty. And so why would this person have picked a seat next to mine? Um, So, but he was already sitting down. So I, um, I wasn't rude or anything. And I went ahead and sat down and I noticed that on his phone, he was reading the book of Matthew. And so I introduced myself and, and got his name and he introduced himself and um, come to find out that he uh, grew up, this guy grew up in India and he came to America to study medicine. Um, and now he was a practicing physician in Phoenix. And actually he was working with COVID patients in the Phoenix hospital, one of the main Phoenix hospitals that has most of the COVID patients. Um, so we had a really interesting conversation. Um, he let me know that uh, it was the first time he was reading the Bible. He had just started reading um, not too long before he had gone on that plane flight. And um, he was in the book of Matthew, and, uh, but he didn't know a whole lot of people that could explain to him what he was reading. Um, and he started reading the Bible because he had been feeling depressed. He was dealing with a lot of COVID patients and a lot of people that were dying, and he didn't know where to turn. And so a friend of his recommended that he start reading the Bible. So we spent the rest of the plane flight talking about the book of Matthew, and I spent the rest of the plane flight answering questions um, that he had about Jesus, about God, about faith. At the end of the flight, when we landed in Chicago and we went our separate ways, I uh, asked him um, if he'd be willing to meet with me um, on Zoom, on video, once a week. Obviously, normally, in normal times, you wouldn't ask somebody that, um, but this is a unique uh, time in history, and so I wanted to meet with him, and I let him know that I, I read the Bible regularly, I'm a follower of Jesus, and I wanted to teach him more if he was open, and so he said yes, and so since that day, uh, we've met every Monday evening and uh, to answer questions and read more of the Bible and to study. And he decided to follow Jesus. And um, he's asked me to come and meet him um, in the middle of the country um, where, uh, next weekend where I'll be meeting him so that he can get baptized. And he's going to invite some friends that he went to medical school with and uh, people he met in in the city he went to school to witness it. It was a really cool story. And um, today's message is related to it. Today's message is titled, God is the Royal Announcement. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, I mean simply that God is the gospel. But I could have titled this sermon that, right? I could have titled it, God is the gospel, God is the Royal Announcement. The reason why I called it uh, God is the Royal Announcement is I wanted us to come this morning with some fresh eyes. 
I wanted us to see anew what my friend on the plane, my new friend on the plane saw when he read the Gospels about God. I wanted us to see freshly what God is inviting us into, into a relationship with him through his son, Jesus. And by naming it God as a real announcement, I didn't want you to hear or come into this morning hearing that this is going to be another stale old message about the gospel, another familiar message where you can just turn off your brain. I really want you to see afresh, I want us to see afresh, this God whom we've been talking about for the past few weeks in the series, God Is. I want you to see afresh this God who is presenting himself to us through his son, Jesus. God is the royal announcement, and he's the best news you will ever hear about. So what do I mean by royal announcement? What is the royal announcement, or what in essence is the gospel? What do I keep calling the gospel a royal announcement? Well, if you look at the term gospel, it comes from the word euangelion. It's a Greek word in the Bible, and it's a compound word. Um, it's made up of two parts, eu, which means good, and angelion, which means announcement. It's actually a translation of two Hebrew words that literally mean national news or royal announcement. The idea here is the type of news that would have impact in a nation and would establish authority. So, for example, when uh, it's announced that King Saul is killed and King David's going to take over the throne, that is a royal announcement. That's an euangelion. Or when a great battle has happened and Israel has conquered its enemies and the king and, its, and the troops are coming back victorious, that's an euangelion. That's a royal announcement. That's good news. Or when a child has been born and is going to be the new heir to the throne of Israel, that's a royal announcement. That's an euangelion. The gospel is unique because the gospel is the biggest announcement in history. It's the biggest news you will ever hear because it impacts all of humanity, not just one kingdom. The gospel has an impact on the, the whole world because the God of the universe, the creator, is now going to reveal himself to the whole world. God himself is announcing to the world that a new king is coming, a king that's going to come in human form named Jesus, and he's going to come as an innocent baby. He's going to live out our whole human experience. He's going to walk amongst us. This Jesus is going to die for us. He's going to go to the cross and die for us and reconcile us to God himself. And he's going to establish a new kingdom, a kingdom where Jesus will be at the helm. He will be the king. That's the royal announcement. That's the gospel. Now, Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, the verses we just read, Paul is saying something specific about God, that God is trying to reveal something to us. Paul mentions it here in verse 4. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. 
So Paul starts by telling us that the God of this world, Satan, is literally blinding people from seeing what God wants them to see. And that is God himself, right? It says, seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Literally, what you're being blinded by or what we're being blinded by and what seeing has blinded many people of is seeing God, his image. Just like when you go to a mirror and you look in a mirror, if you have the lights off, you can't see anything. Or if you have a blindfold on, you can't see anything. And what's, but what's in the mirror? It's still you. You're still in the mirror. The image that God wants you to see is him. He wants you to see him, but it's him revealed in Christ because Christ is the perfect human physical representation of God himself. And God is, through Jesus, revealing himself to the world. Now remember, before Jesus, God's interaction with the rest of humanity was primarily through a specific people, the people of Israel. But through Jesus now, God is not just showing himself to the people of Israel. He's revealing himself to all of humanity, to all peoples. And by doing that, he's inviting every single person into relationship with him because of the work that he accomplished in the cross when Jesus went to the cross and died for us and was raised from the dead. So when you finally see uh, God and you finally see that he's offering a relationship through Christ, which is what my friend on the plane saw and realized when he was reading the Bible, you're literally having your blindfolds taken off. You finally can see what the gospel is all about. You finally can hear this good news, this royal announcement. So that's the gospel. Now, what makes the gospel actually good? Like, what is good about it? Why is it called good news? You know, it was good news when uh, Israel, for them, had a king and a king that they loved and was good. That's good news. What makes the gospel good news? Think about it this way. Think about marriage. When um, you think about marriage, what makes it so special? Now, imagine talking to a friend who really wants to get married. And they say, I can't wait to be married. I just can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. And you say to them, well, tell me about this person you want to be married to. Tell me about this person. Who, who, what is he or she like? Who is he or she like? Now, if your friend responds, well, no, no, I'm not talking about somebody. I'm talking about marriage. I don't really care who I get married to. I'm, 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 I'm excited about marriage itself. The person kind of is a means to that end, marriage. How would you respond to a person that said that to you? That'd be kind of an odd uh, way of talking about marriage, wouldn't it? For somebody to be excited about marriage, but not to actually care or be excited about the person they're going to be married to? Sounds absurd, right? The, the point of marriage is that you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody you've fallen in love with, somebody you find yourself compatible with, somebody you, that you want to share the experience of marriage with. But the point of marriage is that marriage is with a person, 
marriages with an actual person that you've fallen in love with. And you can't imagine that your life would be better without them. That's often the way I think we talk about our relationship with God, especially the gospel. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19, Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who Christ, through, through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciled the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting us the message of reconciliation. So what makes the gospel actually good news? Is it that we're saved from one place, hell, and now we get to be in another place, heaven? Is the point of the gospel heaven or a place or an experience? Or is the point of the gospel, the reason why it's good news, is that we get to experience eternity with the person who makes heaven actually heaven? That's God. God is the reason why the gospel is good news. The reason why the gospel is good news is because we get to be in relationship with God, not because we get to not go to hell or that we get to experience a new place called heaven. Another way to say it is hell is hell because God is not there. And heaven is heaven because God is there. Let's talk about eternity for a second. So this might be helpful. Eternity. Uh, we got to remind ourselves that the reason why this is so important and why the gospel message is so important is uh, we're eternal beings. Now, I'm not talking about the bodies that we're in. The bodies we're in are going to get old and eventually die. We're all going to die, physically die. But there's a part of us that's going to live for eternity. Part of us is going to live for eternity. And I was reminded of that one morning when I was looking at the coronavirus death counts in the U.S. I, I checked those you know, a few times a week, maybe once a day sometimes. And the number had reached over 100,000 people. And I was reminded that that 100,000 people were actually people that were either going to be spending an eternity with God or apart from God. Their death from the coronavirus wasn't the end of their life or their conscious existence. They were very consciously now either very aware that they're with God or they're consciously very aware that they're not. And when I realized that I was reminded of that, it just broke my heart because I realized that that 100,000 in the U.S. and hundreds of thousands more across the world, many of them are spending a conscious existence realizing that they're not where God is, that the new king that had come, Jesus, <clears throat> was not with them for eternity. And they were going to have to spend eternity apart from him. That really hit me. See, the, the reason why the gospel is good news is not 
just that I get to avoid hell. It's that I get to spend eternity, spend eternity with the God of the universe who made it possible, who made me and made it possible to be with him. That's why it's good news. He made us, he made you, he made me, and he made it possible to spend eternity with him, to be in his presence for eternity after we die. That's why the gospel is good news. But again, as I said, I think we often treat the gospel and eternity like it's good news regardless of who's in heaven. And that's a wrong view of the gospel. So first point, why is the royal announcement, the gospel, like what is it and why is it good news? And the third and lastly, you can actually believe in a different gospel. You can actually believe in different news or different good news. There's so much different good news in this world today, right? You're being bombarded with that news every single day. News that the government is going to save you or that the stock market's going to save you or that your retirement's going to save you. Maybe a promise from this or that politician that their plan is going to save you or our country and that's why you should vote for them or maybe a certain political party is going to save you and make sure you keep your rights or keep what belongs to you or they're going to keep capitalism going or democracy going. These are these all sound like good messages, right? There's also other Christian gospels that sound great. You've probably heard um, Christian leaders and speakers say, God doesn't really care about your sin. God's only a God of love. That's it. And they completely ignore the part of, of God that care about justice and the parts of God that, um, that there is wrath that comes from God. And that's the reason why Jesus needed to come to appease his wrath, to bring justice ultimately to the earth. Or that God's work on the cross means that you now have freedom to live the life you want, however you want, because God's got a love and he doesn't ultimately care about what you do. He really just cares about what you want. The problem with all these gospel messages out there, these messages that even come from great Christian leaders, is that the ultimate end of that message is not to elevate God and the relationship he's offering to you with him. The end of those messages is you. The end of those messages is ultimately you. And the, these gospel messages that come from other great Christian leaders, they don't announce a result of God being the ultimate prize or ultimate relationship that it's offering. So a news that sounds good, but it's not presenting God, as the ultimate end, is not the gospel. Paul in the Bible uses very strong language about this. Let's go to Galatians 1, 6. I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting him who called you into the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who, are, who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. 
as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. So Paul's words are pretty strong. Let him be accursed. For people, good intentioned people, who are trying to twist or add to or change to the clear gospel message that was presented by Jesus and his followers. And as Paul said in, the, in 2 Corinthians 4, in the verse that we read before the sermon, what is the point of the gospel? The gospel is to show God through Christ. So if you believe, do you believe that the work of Jesus on the cross was uh, enough for you or was it not enough for you? If you, have a, if you don't believe that, then you don't believe the gospel. You believe a different gospel. Do you believe that the point of the gospel is so that you can live a selfish, carefree, and happy life and do what you want with the rest of your life? Then you believe in a different gospel. Do you believe that there are more, th more things that you have to do for God so that he'll accept you and trust you and ultimately save you? Then you believe in a different gospel. Do you believe that the great news about heaven is that you don't end up in hell, but you really could care less about the God who's going to be in heaven? You could care less about us spending eternity with him? Then you believe in a different gospel. Do you believe that God has revealed himself with a new message through a new prophet or a new religion or a new faith or a new book? <laughs> you believe in a different gospel. The gospel that was preached to us by Jesus, his life, Jesus' words, Jesus' death on the cross, his resurrection, and continued on with his followers and to this day, is the clear message that he came to reconcile you and me to God his Father. And that he did that through the work on the cross and rising from the dead, being victorious over death because of our sin. And now we can be in relationship with him. He's inviting us into a relationship with him. So if you haven't done that, if you still are questioning that or exploring that, I want to invite you to do that today, this morning. And I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Um, and I'm going to pray that for you as a believer, if um, you already know God, if you already follow him, that you would actually see God as good news, God himself. And that you would not be distracted by all the other things of this world or the other messages. And if you're still exploring, I, pray, I will pray for you that you would come to know him. God, I thank you for this time. Thank you for this message. Thank you for your word. And thank you for the offer of life with you for eternity in heaven through the gospel message, the good news, this royal announcement. We pray for those that are still exploring, still searching that you walk with them, that you speak to them, and you make yourself real. You show yourself as real through your word, through this message, um, and that they would genuinely turn towards you for relationship, for eternity. And for those of us who have followed you, I pray that you bring anew and refresh us in how we see you and how we view you, that we would not be more infatuated with the prizes or the benefits from life with you, but we would be more infatuated with you and with you alone, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.